0: Hey everybody, this is Round 6 MMA Talk, the fight after the fight, with me, your boy, Noah Petrie. I know, I know what you're thinking. Another MMA podcast. I know, there's a lot of us out there. But if you like bold, unapologetic hot takes, a detailed, broken down view of the fight game, and of course, stomach hurting comedy, well, come to the right place. everyone! This is episode 28 of R6 MMA Talk. The fight after the fight with me, your boy Noah Petrie, and it's official. We've been doing this for over. We've been doing this over for six months now. It's been a fast six months, man. I can't believe I actually recorded 28 episodes. Like really, thinking back on it, I really recorded 28 episodes. It's about to be a year soon. We're about to wrap up a year fairly soon. Another. 28, 28, 56. yeah, no, no, another 20 episodes, and we'll be, uh, we will be wrapped up, basically, that will be one year, so, dude, thank you for every single person who is listening to this podcast week in, week out, honestly, I can't believe that people actually listen to me at times, you know, it, it really is, it's kind of mind-blowing that people actually spend their time out of their day to listen to what, what the fuck I have to say, well, there's stupid shit that comes out of my mouth, they're actually listening, so it's man, it's incredible. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's incredible. Um, yeah, it, it, again, it's just mind blowing to me. But episode 28, we guys, we were halfway there. The first year wrapped up would be pretty dope to, to record that last episode, have a few ideas of what I want to do in the last episode. Um, that's just completely different from, from uh, every other episode that I, I uh, that I do from week in week out. But listen, this is an interesting week, man This was an interesting week We're late on a Monday night Burning the midnight oil Of course we know this podcast goes out Tuesday mornings at 7am And I'm going to give you a little background Into my weekend, right? Watch Black Adam Fucking garbage Every DC movie is garbage So I knew it was going to be trash coming into it Like, fuck it I'll I'll watch it and it was garbage I should just wait until it comes out on HBO Max But besides that your boy was a little sauced. I was a little saucy that, uh, that Saturday night, right? So while your boy is a little saucy, I think it's a good bet for me to bet on Marina Rodriguez against Amanda Limos. I put 1K on Marina Rodriguez. And again, I'm really not a better. And the only reason why I did this is because I really thought that Marina, Marina would win. Which I was sorely disappointed. Not only that, but I thought that I was sauced. I was sauced, so I, I didn't know what I was thinking. I was not in the right frame of mind. You know, I didn't have a uh, I didn't have a sober, collective, reasonable mind. I was kind of illogical there. So it's the only reason why I placed that ridiculous, stupid bet that I should have never placed. So I lost 1k. But what the story is, do not bet drunk. Everyone who's listening out there, do not bet tipsy. Do not bet drunk. Only bet when you're sober. Trust me. Learn that life lesson from your boy. You don't got to lose 1K for no fucking reason. Do I need the 1K? No. I'm perfectly fine without it. I have more than enough money. But um, not to brag, I'm broke as fuck compared to you know everyone else in the world who is super uber rich. But I'm doing fairly good for someone who is 26 living on his own in New York City. But not only that, man. It was an unreasonable loss. The 1K could have went to so many things that would have been better used than giving it to FanDuel, which sponsored a fucking boy. But besides that, I want to get into this week's fights. We have a ton, a ton of really juicy MMA news slash drama. I'm more excited to get into the news slash drama than I am to get into the fights. I'm going to be honest with you. The news slash drama this week is fucking novella worthy. It's amazing. It's crazy. It's, it's all over the place. Like, we have fingers of the ass. We have possible assassination. We have a, f- a possible fixed fight. So, literally, I'm not exaggerating. That's what we got this week. It's fucking incredible. I want to get into it so bad. So, I'm going to be breathing through these fights because not really much happened this past weekend with Rodriguez against Lemos. I would say possibly the prelims are buried in the main card. There's more stuff that happened on the prelims, some good fights that happened on the prelims, some good stoppages. But um, yeah, I'm just going to be going over the, the last three fights of the main card. Getting so juicy, 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 juicy MMA news slash drama. After that, going over UFC 281 on the signing against Pereira 3, technically. And uh, of course, going over them for my hot take of the week. So let's jump into this episode. First, we have Minor against Nura Nuridambik, Nuridambik, something like that. Asian dude, Chinese dude, who sounds like he has a Russian last name, but he's clearly Chinese. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know what's going on there. But this fight was weird. This fight was extremely weird. And the reason why it was weird is because Miner goes out there, and there's more to it that's really bizarre. I'm going to get to it in MMA news sauce drama. But Miner gets out there, right? and he throws a left kick to the body and he's visibly hurt which the amount of leg injuries that's happening this year is alarming a lot of leg injuries are happening this year all around and i don't like that 2022 is have a really bad year for legs but um yeah he throws a, a left leg kick it didn't get checked i, I didn't see it get checked. to get hit lands on the body he's visibly hurt visibly distraught then he throws it right again so I remember watch, I'm, when I first watched it, I was sauced. And I'm watching and I'm like, wait, he just threw a leg kick. I mean, he just threw a body kick and landed. He's visibly hurt. And then he throws it immediately right after again. That doesn't make any sense. Then again, listen, when you're actually in the octagon, you have the adrenaline pumping and flowing, I can't attest to what people do. I, I guarantee you if you put me in there and with all the nerves and anxiety, and everything that's going on, I guarantee I'll do some really stupid shit too. So when you're nervous and you're full of adrenaline, your mind is just doing other shit. You know, you I can't really I can't put a past on too much for that weird decision making. It just really didn't make any sense. Um, but of course he, he's even more visibly hurt after throwing a second body kick. Now Nurum back Nurum back he lands a beautiful f- um switch knee, and basically ended the fight right afterwards. And it was such a bizarre fight just for that one ending sequence. Why would you throw two leg kick two why would you throw a body kick after another body kick when that's the kick that injured you and now you're using the same leg that's injured again? It really didn't make any sense. And now we have Magni against Rodriguez. And the MMA gods tend to right their wrongs in that Daniel Rodriguez, he fought Li Jiang not too long ago. A lot of people had Lee jin Leon winning the fight. I personally am one of those people who had Lee jin Leon winning the fight. And unfortunately, I, I, a lot of people agree that he was robbed in the scorecard to Daniel Rodriguez. It was a very close fight, very back and forth. Daniel Rodriguez made a quick turnaround to take this Neil Magny fight, which generally I don't really agree with, especially when you have a uh, you had a tough bout a tough bout in your last fight. But the MMA guys tend to write their wrongs, man. They tend to see that if a, a decision happens that, that wasn't, good and they, they basically was given the decision by the judges tend to lose their next fight i don't know why maybe seven may god spiting them and trying to get you know trying to right their wrongs as i was alluding to beforehand but this fight was i would say daniel rodriguez got the better on the feet as far as much as the, the fight landed on the feet i think neil magny did some Good work utilizing the jab and staying behind the jab. I think overall, Daniel Rodriguez is landing the more bigger, powerful shots. Um, Neil Magny was really reacting a lot to um, Daniel Rodriguez's shots. He wasn't getting rocked or oriented or anything. He was reacting pretty big to him. Um, but Neil Magny just showed us that his craftiness is a vet. He showed us his craftiness is a vet, which he utilizes grappling. grappling. No one knew he had that. Grappling was something that was a clear weakness of his for years now. That everyone knew if you can get a new Mac to the ground, the fight's essentially done. Um, he was just going to stay there in that position or get submitted. And he utilizes grappling. He utilizes grappling. Again, which no one thought he had. Everyone thought this fight was going to be standing up on the feet. So, as long as it's standing up on the feet, I think uh, Daniel Rodriguez could win. The one thing I, I thought that was, that was going to be curious to me was how well. Daniel Rodriguez is going to handle, you know, Neil Magny's pace and pressure because that's what he's known for. You know, for someone who has an incredible, incredible, incredible gas tank. But it was a very solid victory for Neil Magny. And when you go through Neil Magny's wins, a lot of them are pretty impressive, man. He has a lot of big wins against a lot of big name fighters. Granted, these fighters are a little older in their career, but either way, man, he got some big wins against some big fucking fighters. Would he ever be in the Hall of Fame? No. Did he ever get a number one contender? Was he ever a number one contender? No. Did he ever fight for a belt? No. Do I think he ever will? No. But he's one of those guys that you know had has a very good career in the UFC. A testament to this is that he has the most wins in this division right now. He broke GSP's record. And the one thing I love about this is the fact that one, it, it, it like these kind of records and these kind of things, they celebrate people who are. You know we should celebrate the fighters that are grinding it out who maybe don't have the best record out there but are consistent and they are good year after year after year Who are actually improving even if they'll never make the hall of fame or become champion i think we should like these little you know stats like the most wins in this division etc like i think we should uh we should treat that with respect too and not just overlook it and Neil Magny, as post-fight interview, who's the first to say, like, listen, is my record better than GSP's? No. Like, is my wins better than GSP's? No, absolutely. And he kept it real. He's like, listen, I am proud of this achievement, but, like, you know, am I to be compared to GSP? No. Which, rightfully so. He was 100% right in that. But it doesn't take away the fact that he has the most wins in the division now, which he 100% earned. So it was a very impressive victory by Neil Magny. I think a lot of people were counting Neil Magny out in this fight, me being one of them probably. Um, but he 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 just showed why he's a veteran man, and he really is a gatekeeper. If you can't beat Neil Magny, you're not gonna pass. You know, you're not gonna be, you're not gonna be fighting at the top of the division. You're just not going to be. And Daniel Rodriguez is apparently just not there yet. And Neil Magny called out Gilbert Burns, who I think is an incredible call out. A big name. I don't think Gilbert Burns is gonna take the fight. Um, there's a huge gap in uh, in the rankings between him and Gilbert's probably just once big fights nowadays like Masvidal or Kobe or something like that, which I think he deserved and earned. Um, definitely after the Shamaya fight. So, yeah, very impressive win by Neil Magny and shout out to him for getting the most wins in the Walshweight division. And now we have the main event, which broke my fucking heart because I lost 1K. But now we have the main event and... Both women were extremely gun-shy in that first round. I knew they were going to be hesitant because both have a lot of power. Here's how I had it. I thought Lemos has more power than Marina Rodriguez. Marina Rodriguez has some hammers in her hands, too. Do not get it twisted. She will put you out. But I think Marina Rodriguez, one, had the better stamina, has proven better stamina. She's been in a lot of five-round fights. Amanda Lemos have not. She has Overall, better striking in my opinion. So, and I I gave the power to Limos, but I gave basically everything else to Marina Rodriguez. Marina Rodriguez was a, a minus two twenty favorite, I believe, which I think was rightfully so. Marina has beaten the better people, has been in five round fights, has been in main events, and Limos just currently has not. So, I think the betting odds were definitely justified, but both women were extremely gun shy in that first round. Very gun shy in that first round. I gave the first round to Marina Rodriguez for the simple fact that I, she landed more. There wasn't no real significant strikes in, in that first round, but she did land more numerically. Not only that, Lee goes for a takedown. Marina reverses position while they're going down together at that point and gets her mounted. So I had the first round going for the Marina. Second round, clearly Lemos' round, obviously. She had Marina's back the entire time, got her in a neck crank, almost got her into a rare-naked choke, but just controlled Marina's back in that position for the entire second round. In the third round, Lemos landed some big, powerful shots. Marina was definitely rocked, definitely dazed, might have even been out her feet a little bit. Now, the big controversy regarding this fight was, was it stop too early? And in my personal opinion, I think it was stopped a little early. And I'm not just saying that because I lost $1,000. I probably would have lost it anyway. But I think it was stopped a little bit too early. And do I think the stoppage was justified? Yeah, I can see it being justified. Am I angry at the stoppage? No. Do I think it could have been continued a little more? Yeah. I mean, Marina Rodriguez looked bad. As in, like, she looked pretty fucking rocked and pretty fucking dazed. But the stoppage happened so soon. You could have let it go on for another five, maybe even ten seconds longer. Just to see how she will react. Maybe she'll get into a grappling position. Maybe she'll recover or whatever the case may be. But referees just tend to, whenever there's a woman fight and one of them gets rocked, they tend to, 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 to you know, stop the fight early. They, they tend to do that. There's definitely a trend in that. To say is not. This is most definitely wrong. There's definitely a current trend that I've seen that referees do that. With men fighters, they tend to last a little bit longer. For women fighters, they tend to call it a little sooner. So that being said, with that trend and with everything that I saw, I'm really not upset at the stoppage, but I do think it was a little early. Then again, Jason Herzog is arguably the best referee in the game as of right now. So i i at the end of the day respect his decision impressive 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 victory by lamos i think lamos most definitely deserves a title shot after this if not the title shot after this i think that she at least deserves to fight for an interim belt (laughs) maybe not an interim belt but fight someone like a rose nomenunas or i said her name retarded rose nomenunas or, uh, you know, someone else who is very high caliber at the top of that division. And as far as Marina Rodriguez goes, I think she looked a little off last night. Last night. Last night was Sunday. I think she looked a little off that uh, that, that Saturday night. I think she should fight someone like a Mackenzie Dern or, you know, someone who, who is also, you know, high caliber up there in the division. And this sucks that Marina Rodriguez is running on a what? five six five win streak and this is what happens so it is what it is but when you look at the last five years who are the ladies who've been fighting in that division it's been the same five women it's been Carla, Rose, Waylee Zhang, Um, of Janechek, and I think Andraj. I think those are the last five women who've been just fighting for the belt in that division for the last five years and it's time for a change and I'd like to see some fresh meat in that division title contention and i think lemos definitely deserved it and now we're getting to mma new size drama finally and first up we have Aljo says that his next fight will be mid 2023 and he says that five round camps are brutal and wants his body to heal and also says that champs should fight champs fight one time a year twice if lucky now when you look at, and a lot of people saw this and are like, yo, he should get stripped, this, is and that, this, is that. Before we get on that bandwagon, let's look at how often champs fight a year. And he's not wrong. Champs generally fight once, twice a year. Maximum twice. I think that Anasanya is the only exception. I think he's fought three times this year. This will be the third time. So, but in most cases, they're fighting once or twice a year, which, you know, I, I guarantee you, when you have the resources and you paid like a champion, you're not going to be taking fights willy-nilly. You're, re- you're trying to retain your belt as much as humanly possible for legacy and for money purposes. So you're just not going to be taking, you know, fights every three months. You know, you don't necessarily have to anymore. You're the champ. People have to earn it. People have to, you know. You, 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 you're, you're, your main job is to in that belt uh, whatever way you can. So, of course, you're going to take that extra time and that extra preparation to prep for all of your fights. So, am I necessarily opposed to this? to this? Not necessarily. I think that him fighting like in March would be ideal. I don't want him fighting like in June. I think that's a little too much of a layoff, especially since the TJ fight ended so fast. Oh, because of TJ's injury, which I'm actually want to talk about a little bit more later as well. But I think overall it's something that champs already do. They fight once or twice a year as it is. So when you when you really look at the statistics there. So I'm not necessarily opposed to it. I think him fighting in March, mm, late as April, is it's perfectly fine by me. Then we have Alexander Prasarov dies eating a poison watermelon so i saw this on twitter right and i'm like yo what the fuck like a, he wasn't allergic to watermelons first of all god rest his soul he died at 33 years old unfortunate that this happened but when i saw it i'm like yo what the fuck like was he allergic wasn't allergic apparently it was poisoned now i try to look more into it and i really couldn't find any of the outlets and I, I go through the media outlets right before i record a podcast just just to see if i miss anything in the media, and I couldn't really find it, so I really have to dig in deep to define some specifics on it, but basically, all I know about this is that he was poisoned with watermelon, he was poisoned in watermelon, which is like so fucking outlandish and ridiculous, it's, it's one of those things that if I didn't have enough information, I wouldn't cover it, but the fact that it's so out there and crazy, I had to at least bring it up, So I don't have a lot of information on this, unfortunately, but it's just fucking crazy to see. And GSP says that most MMA careers end in a horror story, and he would back Jake Paul's union if done right. gsp has been trying to unionize for years, man. He's been really trying to unionize for years. It's not something that's new to him. He's been doing it for the last five, six years. And unfortunately, it hasn't really panned out, and I don't think it wouldn't really pan out because you would have to have... The main players in the UFC or MMA in general getting behind this union, which I don't think that that's going to happen. Simply, I just simply don't think it's going to happen because the UFC and a lot of MMA, UFC fighters have the mentality of, Oh, this person wants to talk about money issues and this isn't that cool, they can do that. Um, someone else is going to take the spot right after. Like, you know, if this person wants to sit out and be like, Yo, I'm not paying, I'm not fighting because the pay ain't right someone else will be like you know i'd fight for that pay you know i would fight for that, that tarot shot i have no problem with that and it's just going to be that perpetual cycle so i don't see the union really realistically without any government assistance happening in the ufc and I, i'm really hesitant to have a union from someone who is doing celebrity boxing even though he has the name and he has the finances to really create it. But I'm hesitant to have that in MMA coming from someone like that. Um, but man, if, if he gets GSP's backing, then then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll back him too. Then Islam Makashev says that he may not face Volk next, but the winner of Chandler and Dustin. And a lot of people are clowning Islam because he's, he's, they're all saying, yo, he's already ducking Volk. Like, literally, he just became champion. He's ducking Volk. And a lot of people were clowning Islam during his rise to the top of the championship because he was ducking a lot of people. Let me say he was ducking Rafael Dos Anjos, which I think that's false. I think Islam would have went through Rafael Dos Anjos, same way Khabib did. Um, Look, pause. Khabib didn't uh, didn't do that. But I think he would have went. Yes, he did, actually. I'm wrong. He did go through Rafael Dos Anjos pretty bad. But I think that, I think the reason why Islam is doing this is simply because Chandler, Dustin Poirier, would probably bring him more money. And it's a very, it's a lot easier matchup than Volkanovski. Both of those men are a lot easier than Volkanovski. So you could say in a way that he's ducking Volk. I don't think he's scared to fight Volk. I think he would fight just about anyone. But he knows that Volk is a completely different challenge compared to these two other dudes. And here's the thing, bro. If I don't care if Chandler wins by a vicious knockout. I don't care if Dustin wins by a vicious knockout. Neither of them should be fighting for the belt. Dustin fought for the belt already and lost. Chandler fought for the belt already and lost. Chandler's coming off a one-win from Tony Ferguson. Someone who's coming off like fucking four losses. Unfortunately... Dustin's come isn't coming off a win It doesn't make sense If Chandler beats Dustin Cool he got two Noteworthy wins Over two guys who are coming off a loss Have him fight like a Darius If he beats a Darius I have no problem Giving him a second title shot If Dustin beats Chandler it Doesn't make sense for him To get a title shot because he's just coming off a loss Have him fight Justin Gaethje if he beats a Justin Gaethje Then I have no problem giving him a title shot but neither man should be fighting for the belt, who, regardless of who wins or how how it wins. you know. Now, if Volkanovski says, I'm not going to move up to 155 right now. I'm going to stay at 145 because I have contenders down here that I want to fight. Different story. Then I wouldn't be necessarily opposed to giving one or the other a tower shot because there's really not much going on at 155 right now. Granted, you can argue Darius deserves it more than both those men, which I do agree, but both of those men have bigger names, it would sell. So I, I'm, I'm really, I'm not necessarily opposed to it, but since Volk is saying that he wants a title shot and Dana is saying that he's more than willing to give it to him, I think he's by far more deserving than Chandler or Dustin Poirier combined as of right now. So, I don't like the fact that Islam says he's going to look over Volk to fight those two dudes when they don't deserve a title shot, to be blatantly clear of you. Um, Pollyanna Viviana, who won her last fight by vicious knockout this past weekend, um, is noteworthy for beating up some guy who, uh, who did a home invasion in her house and beat the ever living shit out of him pretty bad. Having tattooed between her tits. Um, I think of the Pain's Eyes from Naruto. And dating Kobe Covington and having OnlyFans. Well, she's known for a lot of things, I guess. But she basically came out and said that uh, she did date Kobe Covington. And Kobe wanted her to finger his ass. And got mad that she didn't want to do it. <sighs> Listen, I'm not here to kink shame. I am not here to kink shame. I'm not here to clown Kobe Covington, right? I'm not here to clown Kobe Covington. I'm really not. I'm not. If you want fingers in your ass, cool, bro. Like, I hope you find a girl who's willing to do that. And I hope her nails aren't too long. You know, I'm I'm, I'm really not angry at it. I'm not. I'm not going to shame. I'm not going to shame anyone right now. But you can't get mad when you ask a girl who's not into it to do it. Because here's the thing, there's some things that are like very generalized in sex. For instance, sucking that D, eating that P, eating that A that's really accepted in mainstream foreplay nowadays. Granted, not everyone likes to do it. It's one of those things that like you have to tread lightly. But for the most part, I think most people would do it, especially guys, most of them would do it. Women, on the other hand, not so much. But, you know, sucking that D, eating that P are two things that are, like, widely commonly done. So if you dating someone who doesn't want to do that, it's like, oh, that person kind of sucks. Because why wouldn't you want to do that? It's really not that big of a deal. But fingering the booty is different. It's different. It's a different animal. It's a different issue, you know? It... it, it you have to tread lightly with that. Is one? It's it's like it's like that old saying goes, right? If you ever if you're dating a girl and you want to have a threesome for another girl, you can't be the one to bring it up. You can't do it. You have to make it. You have to make them think that it's their idea. Because if you make them think that it's their idea, then they're okay with it. If you bring it up, it's gonna make it look like you just want an excuse to fuck someone else. And it's never gonna happen. So you just gotta you just gotta you just gotta lay back, play, play it cool. If they bring it up, you'd be like, you know what? I can try it. We can try it. I'm not opposed to it. We can try it, you know. We don't have to do it. But if you wanna do it, then I'm willing to try it. You have to play it like that. So if a girl is like if she's willing to to eat that ass, eat that A. Then maybe you can be like, yo, try r- 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 rubbing the balloon knot. And if she's willing to rub the balloon knot. Then you're like, yo, like, you can stick a finger in, you can stick your pinky in the balloon knot if you want. You don't have to, but like, I'm down to try it if you want to. And that's the way you transition into it. You can't, like, you can't just be like, yo, I want you to do this. And if you're not okay with it, then I'm going to get tight. Because not everyone's okay with it. It's one of those things that, like, a lot, of, most people want to say fucking 90% of people are going to be like, nah, I'm not with it. Especially women. Especially women. If a girl asks a guy to, to, to finger that A, every, oh, every guy's going to do it. Every guy's going to do it. No guy's going to be opposed to it. They're going to fucking put their thumb in there, you know? But for women it's a little different. You got you gotta tread lightly. So the fact that he was angry, that that's the part that I'm kinda of clowning him on. Cause like you can't get mad when you suggest something like that when it's not something that most people wanna do. So you gotta you gotta play it cool. You have to play it cool. And he didn't play it cool. So I, I that's why I found it funny. Like you can't get tight when I guarantee you, if she asked him to do it and he didn't get tight, she wouldn't have said anything about it. She wouldn't have brought it up. But the fact that he got tight is the reason why she's clowning him on it. So, you gotta play it cool, man. And listen, anyone else is listening to us, take my advice. Take my advice. If anything I just said that you want to try, take my advice. Play it cool. Play it cool, daddy Don't sit there... Give bitches ultimatums and be like, yo, you do this or it's over or, you know, whatever the case may be. Don't do it. Just play it cool. Don't suggest it. Make them feel like they're suggesting it and they want to do it and they will do it. But you can't sit there for eager, eager beaver to get the F and the A when, you know, most people are just not going to be with it. So that then, then the moral story is play it cool then <laughs> we have uh, what I was referring to beforehand going over the first fight of the evening. Uh, minor against, I need to figure out how to pronounce this fucking dude's name, Nura Dumbak, right? And, and, and the, the issue with this is that it's actually being investigated due to betting odds that I, I think at first minor was a minus 170. And then in, a, in literally in the span of a few hours across multiple states, He jumped to... I mean, he was a plus 170. He jumped to a plus 330 out of nowhere. Even got to the point where a lot of betting sites started to take that fight. And it was all under two rounds. All under two and a half rounds that he would get finished. He would get finished under two and a half rounds. He became a minus 330 in a matter of hours. And this is across multiple states. And this got to the point where a lot of of betting sites starting to take the fight down due to like... It being flagged or it could be, you know, if these kind of things happen, which happens very rarely, a lot of betting sites and betting odds are going to think, oh, maybe something fishy is going on. So we're just going to take the fight down. And the UFC is investigating it. I I forgot the agency's name to go over, you know, sports betting to make sure everything is legit. They're investigating it as well. And it's going to be an entire investigation. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how this is gonna fare out. I'm not necessarily saying that it was fixed. And again, I'm not saying anything. I'm not alleging anything. I'm not saying anything. All I'm giving is different scenarios of how things will play out. The first one is that it's 100% coincidental, which I don't believe. I 100% don't believe. I don't think it's. I don't think it's coincidental. It happened across multiple states. Multiple people were betting it for it to be under to happen under two and a half minutes, to two and a half rounds at first. It happened to be finished at two and a half minutes, and it happened in a matter of hours. That is no way that's coincidental. I just don't think that's coincidental. Um, and again, I'm not I'm not speculating on. Oh, it's definitely this. I'm just giving examples. The next one up is that he was noticeably injured. That. word got out from the camp that he was injured and you know it started spreading like wildfire from the MMA community and everyone was betting on that which is a very real possibility because a lot of fighters fight injured for instance T.J. Dillashaw fucking left shoulder pop out 20 times during training camp and he fought very compromised there was no way he was gonna win that fight against Aljamain Sterling he fought extremely injured so maybe everyone knew of that, if, if maybe he had a prior leg injury, everyone knew about it, word got out, and everyone started making those bets. Which is a very real possibility. Again, I think that's most likely, and I don't know, again, I don't know. But I think that's maybe most likely the, most, the, the one that holds the most legitimacy and the, the, the one that's the most reasonable. The one that would be the worst. For the UFC for all those who, who are involved and all of MMA is if the fight was fixed and again I'm not saying the fight was fixed I'm not saying it at all I'm just giving an example of what could be a possible scenario and a possible scenario is the fight being fixed and when you really start to dive deep into it is not that outlandish as it seems one, we all know just within the last couple of days UFC or a couple of weeks UFC made a new rule set that, you know, fighters and coaches cannot bet on fights, which I am shocked that it even took this long to happen. We do have the normalcy of betting in MMA, like literally DraftKings fan duels is all over, you know, MMA media, um, MMA UFC broadcasts. Um, MMA podcasters, it's all over the place. It's one of the main sponsors. Um, So it's such a big normalcy in just betting and MMA in general. And on top of that, when you look at Minor, who is the person who injured himself in the fight, his coach is James Krause. James Krause was a former fighter who, up until the last couple of weeks, he has been known to say multiple instances that, he bets on his fighters, which is such a huge conflict of interest. And I'm surprised the UFC allowed that to go on longer than it should have. Um, but he's he one of those people that says he bets on his fighters, that he would bet on his fighters all the time. And that he, he would most of his money came from betting and not from being a coach or the gym or whatever the case may be. That he would make most of his money from betting. And with that being now illegal in the UFC, again, I'm not saying this what happened. I don't know what happened. We'll find out. I'm saying look into it. I'm saying look into it and be open-minded to all possibilities. So I'm actually a little excited to see how this is going to go. I want to see what would be the end result of the investigation from the UFC and from that agency who is in charge of sports betting in the USA. But since it's an open investigation, it has to be reported. So, the UFC, if, if, if something bad happened, and the UFC can't just say, oh, um, nothing happened and it was all coincidental, they can't do that since they have an entire other agency also investigating. So, if whatever happens, we're, we're definitely going to hear the end of it, which I'm excited to see. And last but not least, O'Malley suggests that the interim title fight should be between him and Vera. Which, of course, Vera would have to get past Corey Sandhagen. And I'm not opposed to this at all, man. I really don't like the fact of interim title fights, but this is an interim title fight. You can make this a main event. You can easily make this a main event in Madison Square Garden sold out arena in of thousands and thousands of thousands of people and i guarantee you will sell amazing i guarantee you over 500k guarantee you over 500k buys you have bad blood between the two you have an unfortunate ending between the two both men's stock are at an all-time high o'malley's popularity is at an all-time high chito vera became of the star in his own right too if he beats cory sanhagen's on an incredible run Dude, that fight would be fucking insane. I would easily give Dana White my money and my jizz to watch that fight. 100%. No problem. Anything Dana needs, I'll give it to him to see that fight. That would be fucking incredible. And again, I'm not, I really don't like interim title fights. But that fight is interim title fight worthy. That's a fucking fight. So, and again, this is if, this is if Vera gets past. Sanhagen, which is a big if, but not opposed to it. I ain't gonna lie to you. Then we have the Petri Petri predictions of the podcast. I don't know what the fuck the podcast is. Podcast, excuse me. And first up, we have Anasanya against Pereira. This is predictions for the UFC 281. And this one's tricky, man. This one's tricky because this is the third time they fought, technically. The first time around, it was kickboxing, went to a decision. Pereira got the nod. Second time around, also kickboxing. Anasanya was winning the fight up until Pereira landed a fucking nasty left hand and put Anasanya right out. And now they're fighting again. This is the only person I truly believe who can pose a challenge to Anasanya in this division anymore. And a lot of people are saying, Bo Nickel, Bo Nickel. Listen, we don't know how he's going to perform. He just got into MMA. He's still very much green, you know. He still hasn't fought a striker or fought someone who can stuff takedowns or whatever the case may be. So you can't even put him in that discussion yet. Literally, he just came off the contender series. You can't put him in that discussion. I don't care how good he looks. And some people would say, Shemaev, but he doesn't fight in this division. He fights at 170. So that's out of the question as well. So realistically speaking, out of everyone who's fighting at the 185 division, the only person who really poses a challenge is Pereira. If Pereira can't beat him, no one at 185 is going to beat him. And it really wouldn't make sense for Anasanya to stay there. So I couldn't think of a better way to close out your legacy in, in a division and go to another division is fighting someone who basically is the only guy to ever really stop you. Even though it's a completely different sport and it's not MMA, it's an it's a kickboxing, but you know, it, it he still stops you at the end of the day. So there's no better way in closing your legacy in a division if you want to move up to a different division and pursue a, 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 another weight class. So I couldn't think of a better opportunity for Anasanya. And this is a really big... Uh, he, Anasanya's been getting so much criticism lately because of his past performances and how lackluster they've been. So to fight someone who's, someone who's a really big puncher is going to take the fight to you Someone who's beaten you twice before, if he's able to get past this, I do think that, even if it's lackluster, I think he would get the respect he deserves. I think he would 100% get the respect he deserves. Not saying that his last, you know, his current criticism is not justified. A lot of it is justified. But I think that he would start to get a lot of respect in a lot of people's eyes if he can get past Pereira. Now, can he get past Pereira? That's the main question, and that's what I'm going to answer. And it's tricky. It's very tricky. I think Onesanya's overall striking style, it's better suited for MMA than for kickboxing in general. Pereira, even though he transferred over from kickboxing to MMA, his style is still very kickboxing-esque. His stance is very kickboxing-esque. His uh, striking is very kickboxing-esque. Even though he transferred over, he still carries a lot of that same style into MMA. And on top of that, since he just transferred over, it his grappling is not going to be that good. But you have to be careful in grappling someone with a with a as you know. You have to be careful grappling someone like Pereira because one his size, he's 6'4", and he's fucking huge for the division. He makes light he he makes light heavyweights look small. Not only that, he's strong, big, strong guy, and his he has devastating knees. So even if you can out grapple Pereira which I think most people at 185 can out grapple Pereira he's still dangerous he's still very dangerous. So that being said I do think overall Onasanya is probably the better striker. In regards to MMA in regards to kickboxing I don't know in MMA I think Onasanya is the better striker. The thing is can you avoid that right that left hand for 5 rounds? In MMA sized gloves. Pereira knocked them out cold in kickboxing 16 ounce gloves. Now imagine four ounce gloves. Fuck. You have to dodge that for five rounds. And Pereira will bring the fight to you and will apply that pressure. That's hard. That's extremely hard for Anasanya. Extremely, extremely hard for Anasanya. Anasanya will have to utilize his grappling which he's not known for he's not known for his wrestling or his grappling i do think he can pull it out of his ass if he really needs to but it's not something that he's known for he's more so known for his defensive wrestling his defensive grappling which is phenomenal but offenses he's not known for on top of that he's gonna have to do all that on the back foot which is up against the cage which is another issue on its own I think it's going to be a tough fight for both men. I think it'll be a tough fight for Anasanya. I would say, honestly, if you're going to put money on it, put money on Pereira. He's a very live dog. I don't I don't know if Pereira's going to win, to be honest with you, but he's a very live dog. And he has technically beat the champion twice. So, and he has fucking devastating knockout power. And he's the only person in the division who makes Anasanya look small. So, if you're going to put money on anyone, I suggest you put money on... On Pereira. I got to be honest with you guys. And then we have Zhang against Carla. And this fight it's another fight. That's extremely interesting. Extremely, extremely, extremely interesting. And. Fuck guys. This one's hard. This one's hard. Zhang has improved on her wrestling as of late. Her grappling has gotten a lot better. Obviously her striking is phenomenal. But can she effectively, defensively wrestle against Carla? That's the thing. If she can stuff takedowns, she will most definitely win. If she can't, she ain't gonna win. Can she do it though? That's the main question. I do think she'll be able to do it for the first two rounds, but I wish she be able to do it for the last three? And on top of that, this fight will not be like Rose against Carla. It's not gonna happen. This fight. Wheelie really, Zhang is gonna bring the pressure, is gonna bring that offense and that striking and that grit to the fight. She's not gonna be as reserved as Rose Naman It's just not gonna happen. So with that over everything being said, I'm personally gonna go with Zhang. I'm personally gonna go with Zhang. I think Zhang won against Nam that second time. I think no I think Zang got robbed. Um MMA gods right there wrong and gave the belt to Carla and I think it's gonna go full circle. I think it's gonna go full circle. Then we have Dustin against Chandler, and this one's hard. This one's also a very hard fight. This is a fucking travesty that has three rounds. A fight like this should not be three rounds. A fight like this should always be five rounds. Oh, always be five rounds. Listen, if the UFC is gonna put. A, a really big fight for the third fight that's like fight night main event worthy or you know co-main event in the pay-per-view worthy you should just make it five rounds fuck it let it go over in time no one's gonna complain i guarantee you um but that being said what i think will happen in this fight i don't think chandler is gonna get put away yeah chandler is chinny but here's the thing Chandler's chinny when caught off guard. Chandler's chinny when he gets hit with a strike that he doesn't see coming. Like he got dropped by Tony, he probably didn't respect Tony's power. He got he got he got put out by uh, Oliveira. Guarantee he didn't really respect Oliveira's power or striking. But when he was fighting Gaethje, he took a lot of Gaethje's biggest shots and kept going. Why? Because he was expected to get hit with big nasty shots. The shots that always put you away are the shots that you just simply don't see coming. The one that you don't see coming is the one that's going to put you away. So he knows that Poirier is a hard striker. He knows that he's, he's, Poirier is going to hit him hard. So I do think he will get dropped and, and rocked. But I don't think that, you know, that Poirier will put him away. And vice versa. I don't think... Uh, Poirier, I don't think Chandler would knock out Poirier. Poirier has a fucking tremendous chin. He's a little chinny at 145s because he was cutting all that weight and it was really messing with his durability. But now, at 155, I mean, other than the Michael Johnson fight where he first came into the division, his chin has, you know, the test of time ever since. And again, he knows he's going to get hit with some big shots. So I think it all comes down to striking. And Poirier is just simply the better boxer of the two. He's just the better boxer of the two. Poirier has by far more clips, more clean striking. And I think that he's just going to outpiece Chandler. I think Poirier will probably win one in three. I think Poirier will win the first. I think Chandler might win the second. I think Poirier would clearly win the third. But either way, it's going to be a fucking phenomenal fight. This This kind of matchmaking I love. I don't care, I don't think either men deserve a title shot after this, but it's a fan-friendly fight that's going to go down for the ages, so I'm 100% okay with. And then we have the hot take for the last portion of the podcast. And this is, is what TJ Dillashaw did unfair to the fans? And the reason why I say this, and what I mean by this, is TJ Dillashaw knowingly had an injury very big injury dislocating his shoulder 20 times during fight camp being very 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 uncompromised knowing that it was going to be an extremely uphill challenge to win that belt against a healthy aljermaine sterling when you have this many inju- injuries and issues with your shoulder and he didn't disclose it to the medics or to the ufc which led to his very lackluster performance against algeme sterling in his title fight And my thing is, is what TJ did unfair to the fans. And the reason why he acts is because um, uh, Luke Thomas, who's who's my favorite media MMA person in the sphere. He has his own MMA podcast, which is my favorite of all the MMA podcasts, outside of my own, of course. Um, and, And he really commented on how it was unfair to the MMA fans. And, of course, to the promotion that TJ Dillashaw did this. And he didn't necessarily criticize Dillashaw, you know, and his toughness or his, you know, his his fortitude or anything else he's done outside of his career. He just simply said, listen, if you were this, if your shoulder was that bad, then you were obligated to disclose that to the UFC, to the medics, and possibly not even take the fight. Because when you do that, when you have such a blaring industry and you go out injury and you go out there anyway and you put on such a lackluster performance, then you're in a way you're screwing you're screwing the fans. You're screwing the fans who bet on you. Cause they didn't know you have such a bad injury and they definitely would have bet on we definitely wouldn't have bet on you if they knew that. So you kinda lost the money there. And not only that, the people who are paying for a viewer experience you're kind of fucking up the viewership because you have this blaring injury that you know is gonna make you not put a good performance on. It's gonna make the fight a dud. So that's what he meant by that, and honestly, I agree. I agree hundred percent. And again, I'm not talking about what Dillashaw did in the past and his EPO or him as a character or him as a person or anything. You know, the fact that you your shoulder get could get dislocated 20 times you go out there and still fight and while i got dislocated twice no one's questioning his toughness the man's as tough as it fucking comes as tough as it fucking comes but you have you even though i say you know for a fighter you shouldn't be oh i'm gonna do this for the fans fuck the fans and i'm one of them but fuck the fans you you're not doing it for us you don't have to do it for us you have to do it for your family your your well-being your legacy here's the thing. If you have such an injury like that, you should 100% disclose it. If you have like a little minor nagging pain, then maybe you shouldn't disclose it. But if you have something that this bad that you know is going to be a problem, like if I was his coach, I would have been like, yo, we can't do this. Like it popped out 20 times in fight camp. Like we can't do this. Like we just can't. And if it would have popped out like, if it popped out 20 times at fight camp, but the last two weeks it didn't pop out, I'll be like, fuck it, let's run with it. But if it popped out that same week multiple times, yo, we can't do it. We can't do it, we can't do it. The first opening minutes of the fight, that shit is going to pop out like it did in the fight. And it's just going to fuck everything up. So fuck it, let's not even do it. Let's pull out. Let's pull out. Pulling out is not a bad thing. Trust me. Pulling out is not a bad thing. You know, a lot of great things come from pulling out, like not having kids. So sometimes, the, 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 sometimes the best choice is to pull out. It just is what it is. It just is what it is. So, if I was his coach, that's what I would have done. And at the end of the day, you are kind of fuck, you are fucking up the fans. You are fucking them over, especially the ones that bet. If someone placed a fifty thousand dollar bet on you because they are 100% confident you're going to be Aljamain Sterling and they don't know you have all these injuries you you definitely fuck them over because they didn't know that and they definitely wouldn't put money on you if they knew that so you fucked them over in that regard if they would have known that you had all those all those injuries and they bet anyway different story but since they didn't know you had all those injuries you fucked them over and for the viewership experience you also kind of fucked them over because they were expecting a good fight. And you out here fucking you know like the like the fish in the SpongeBob episode who has bandages over him who's made out of glass. Like you out here breaking at every move. Like that that's not fair to the fans who have to pay seventy five dollars too. And honestly, even though I shit on the UFC organization a lot, that's not fair to the organization. Because they put on this fight, they promoted everything, they wasted money on marketing, they built a the whole narrative up, did the whole fight week up, and you don't disclose the injury, and then you made a lackluster performance, which now people are shitting on the UFC, even though they didn't even know. And Dana White even said, yo, I wish you would have told me. Like, I would have called off the fight. He would have put someone new up there, which... Someone in such short notice probably wouldn't have done that much better, but would have been a better performance at the end of the day. So I do think that TJ Dillashaw, if he had a full camp that wasn't full of injuries, then he would have gave Algerine a very tough fight. But that wasn't the case. And I do think that he kind of fucked up the fans in doing so. But that is episode 28, half the year done of r6 mma talk to fight after the fight with me your boy noah petrie you can find me on twitter at noah petrie r6 you can find my instagram noah underscore a underscore petrie you can find this podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify R heart radio amazon music and basically every other platform that has podcasts and of course you will hear from me guys next week This is dropping Tuesday morning, and enjoy the fight, guys.